Hello and welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us today in English 602 Reading Literature in the Age of Trump. I am your host Maria Elena, also known as Emmy, and today we are discussing Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Joining me for this discussion is Nicole, Jonathan, Francisco, Reggie, and Amal. But before we get into too deep, let's do a quick breakdown of Annihilation. Annihilation is the first book in Vandermeer's Southern Reach trilogy. The story is told through the point of view of the biologist who was part of the 12th expedition into a mysterious region called Area X. But what is Area X? Area X is a deeply unpredictable, irrational, and oftentimes transitional landscape. It is in and of itself. Area X was once a part of our world, a manifestation of what was, what is, and what could be, all encompassed into a stretch of sh shifting borders and terrain. Here in Area X, nothing is what it seems. Time, space, and nature all collide and behave in unexpected ways, and the very things that may feel familiar skew eerily into versions of something else altogether. Prior expeditions were unsuccessful and ultimately do. Now the bio biologist who is part of the 12th expedition is joined by characters simply addressed by the surveyor, the anthropologist, and de facto leader, the psychologist. Tasked with surveying the landscape through terrain mapping and individual observations, this all-female group of women find that their landscape and orders are not what they seem. A few of the themes that we're going to touch upon are in Annihilation include experience, the threads of contact, transitions, ghosts, containment, sentience of nature, assimilation, and symbiosis, change, and transformation. So guys, that was a lot to unpack, but what do you guys think is the overall theme, argument, or messages of the book? Um, I thought that the overall theme of the book would be assimilation or adaption, and we see just how important it is throughout the novel, especially how most of, well, if not all of the characters except for the biologists, they all go into Area X, and they don't take a moment to sort of take in what is going on. If anything, they try to resist everything that Area X is trying to show them. And we see how the biologist is the only one that survives in the end because she is able to keep an open mind and turn each phase that she goes through into Area X into a, it, well, it allows her to sort of turn herself into a truer version of herself. So she's able to adapt and just not resist. Yes, I completely agree. Um, I think that Vandermeer here wants us to, he gives us a certain area X being altered uh, with, no, with no explanation. He says, uh, here, why, uh, here why does this altered natural matter? And um, there's a scientific research behind it, and we come up with the idea that science can never give a clear, defined answer of the universe. And I think this is the, the main theme of the book. I saw it as an illusion of what science and nature can show us in life. Uh, what is considered to be real and unreal can't be controlled. Basically, it's a biologist entering with three other people who have no names, no identity, and face a lot of uh, obstacles in a way. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you guys said. I think, um, you know, one of, the, one of the important themes of Annihilation is kind of talking about not just the binary, but what lies in between the binary. I think when you guys mentioned it transitions, you know, there's this whole thing of the seen versus the unseen or the known versus the unknown. But I think where Vandermeer spends a lot of time is the in-between of what is known and what is unknown, of these weird kind of transitions and combinations that you see a ton of in Area X that just kind of change the way that the characters approach um, what they think is possible in life. 
Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's for me where the themes were. I think like on one hand we really do see like the obvious choice like we see like nature reclaiming nature there's this nature resisting for nature but one of the threads I'd really like to unpack is resistance in the background of that change the thread of regression versus progression is significant because there's this need to constantly change to constantly force progress into control but in the pursuit of progression we regress in enacting that control Though we, don't, though we don't see the Southern Reach and its controlling presence in this novel, we do see the subtle instances of control in how groups need quantifiable measurements, reliance on a false sense of protection in order to assert and justify control of any given situation. And though, of course, as an audience, we see that this control is futile, as we know that Area X operates on its own spectrum, we see that control is very evident. And this can be seen in like the Southern Reach's um, explicit instructions for the expedition team to be referred to by their occupational titles or specialties. They're given tools that are not of this age, they're pretty much obsolete. Um, and that control to measure the tower, what's that about? Like, as if that's going to do anything. And then there's also that sense of hypnosis. And so. Sometimes we'd like to control things that we don't necessarily understand, and that's that underlying factor that I feel like really like um, digs deep into um, annihilation. So let's dig into some purposes. Yeah, what, what do y'all think? Um, yeah, I think the purpose of the book was meant to be a repercussion of what we all consider as our personal point of view. Uh, we see the um, exploration of a strange place, but we see it from the point of view of the biologist, which uh, at the beginning at the beginning is hypnotized, and um, then she inhales the spores, and we are not sure about how reliable reliable the source is, um, and we. Um, and we assist the sane person's descent uh, into some kind of madness, um, or maybe not, or maybe, or maybe the nature of the place is just too strange for us to to understand, or perhaps she was already mad before um, before the the beginning of his experience. So the re the reader, I think, is invited by Vandermeer uh, to um, into this quest. Uh, towards the right point of view, um, and it's uh, so we ask ourselves: Is there really a point of view, uh, and how objective we have to stay, considering the the scientific background of it, of the search, and this contrast between reason and emotion, and um, how um, how objective we have to be, and how subjective we need to be. And as Francisco mentioned, how it is important to find this balance. Uh, so the general purpose, I think, is to create a healthy doubt uh, about how reliable might be our perception and our point of view. So what would you like to say, Reggie? <laughs> <clears throat> well, I think it's the purpose of the book is basically uh, Biologist telling her story, basically how she her encounter with three with the anthropologist, by uh, the psychologist, and the surveyor, and how it switches her viewpoint switches between both time and space. So basically, she flashes back to her interaction with her husband of what she saw when he came back from the expedition. He, she saw an empty shell. He she didn't say it's the same person as he was before, and all he could do was just mumble a little bit. What he saw was probably horrifying. And when she goes in there, what she sees is either real or unreal, 
she's under hypnosis. She has no clue what she's what her purpose was. And basically, she discovers that um, writing on the wall has a, a purpose, a message of nature forming itself, and it tricks her. The spores control her somehow. You know, it changes her her entire body. So it's basically <clears throat> like superpowers. I like to like um, delve into the highlight of the biologist because the way I saw it is like the purposes of this book like I broke it down to the different ecological systems or different levels like we see it on an individual level the communities that we recited and then of course the world on a larger picture so on an individual level our connections our relationships our actions our thought processes affect our decisions in contention with our environments as well as the ways we choose to reside in those environments and the relationships we choose to maintain. So the biologist is pretty key to this idea, idea, the way she integrates and accepts her subconscious attachment to her husband's and as she gains objectivity and how all of that allows her to truly assimilate into the peace, uh, assimilate and peacefully assimilate into the unpredictability of area X. Her stream of consciousness is interesting because even though there are really subtle nuances between her course of actions and her subconscious decisions, we know that she's a keen observer, and the cornerstones and her cornerstones as a biologist lies in objectivity. In that sense, she isn't revealed as to be truly objective until she reaches that sort of um, uh, in, in, certain, in terms of seeing. Um, What's it called again? As she contends with just really coming full circle. So we like we see her inhaling the spore. She begins to transform into that environment rather than rejecting it. We learn the reason that she volunteers is because her wasn't her husband was on the eleventh expedition. And then she has that internal dilemma um, uh, with her husband because she's he's kind of like the ghost of her past. It's like she undoubtedly begins to say, like, hey, like I'm not me. Uh, I don't need to be me without him. And so that's why she can't really contend with it. And I thought this quote was really powerful. Um, on page 167, the biology says, slowly, painfully, I realized what I had been reading from the very first words of his journal. My husband had an inner life that went beyond his gregarious exterior. And if I had known enough to let him inside my guard, I might have understood that fact, except I hadn't, of course. I had let my tidal fools and fungi that could devour plastic inside my guard, but not him. Of all the aspects of the journal, this ate me the most. He had created his share of problems by pushing me too hard by wanting too much. He had created his share of problems by pushing me too hard by wanting too much, but trying to see something in me that didn't exist. But I could have met him partway and retained my sovereignty, and that was too late. And how I wish now, even though it was always impossible, that in the end I had gone to Area X for him. So I think like reading her husband's notebook, the quest into Area X and her interactions within Area X gives her a sense of closure. She knows that changes are necessary and doesn't fight it. Even the changes in her own understanding and those changes also live out their own ecosystems and realities. And the little ecosystems she sees in herself and those little changes and all around her helps her smooth transition into the communities or, or individual ecosystems around Area X. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I don't know, for me I think one thing I saw is like the purpose of the book is to maybe like affect the way people see change. Because I don't know, when I, when I was reading it and you had all these ideas of like, they're going into Area X, they're leaving everything behind, they don't know what they're gonna find in this new world. I don't know, it really reminded me a lot of my own experience last year, like my first year at college kind of. And I don't know, just the, the way that, that, I don't know, I felt I've related to the biologist a lot, you know, thinking about what happened in the, your past and constantly bringing that up, even in your new environment and how that sometimes can affect things. But I don't know, I just think for me that this book really is a lot about 
change and, and being thrust into this new atmosphere. Um, and that happens to, to all of us at certain points. And I think we all react in similar ways to the biologist or even in similar ways as the other characters, right? I mean, SF State has a super high dropout rate and in a way, Area X, super high dropout rate or death rate, if you want to say. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just, I, I think that there's definitely some, some parallels just between Area X and the idea of moving on in life. Um, so I don't know. I think to me that, that was something that stuck out as a purpose to the book. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like, you know, you're, you're going through life and you're always bringing like outside experience from your past back in and you're always relating to it in a lot of ways. Like that's the way like the biologist kind of like goes drifts through area X in terms of finding like her whole sense of like individuality. Do you think it was, I find it interesting that first of all, like he chose the biologist. She's the more of the scientific mind and us like always observing and analyzing everything. But why was it, there has been like, on the previous expeditions, there were, were like other biologists. Why was it this one that she was able to survive? Was it her past experiences that she was able to bring in that was different compared to everyone else? Or do you guys think it was like breathing in the spores? I think it, well, I mean, part of the spore thing was interesting, right? Cause I saw the spore thing as like, almost like a vaccine for Area X. Like she inhales this thing and then suddenly she kind of is okay, she has like the slight fever or whatever, but then after that she's good, she, she kind of gets everything. But I don't know, I think um, the way that the, the biologist kind of survives, right, is she embraces it. She sees it as this new ecosystem. She thinks back of how she loves watching new ecosystems and their development and the way that they interact and stuff. And so I think for her, she didn't succumb to panic. Because in a way, what killed the surveyor and the, um, the surveyor and the psychologist were both killed by uh, fear in a way the psychologist she jumps out of the tower She doesn't even know what she jumped away from and that led to her death the surveyor is kind of just on this weird Mission to kill the uh, biologist because she doesn't trust her But in a way she would have just been better if she had just packed up and left and gone her own way and dealt with it in her own way But she still kind of has these residual fears. So I don't know. I think what, what saves the biologist um, Especially like when you read other journals and things what, what sets her apart is she doesn't really fear area X She's kind of fascinated by it and embraces it in a weird way Oh, and then back to the how the psychologist, I remember um, she was she wanted to kill the biologist, but then something called out to her to jump out the window. Do you think that was like Area X trying to save the biologist? That's interesting. Um, I mean, in a way, it does seem like Area X and the biologist have like a relationship almost, like among two people. So it's interesting you bring that up, but. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, definitely could see that. That's yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought of it that way. Yeah. I think kind of piggybacking off that, we forgot about the anthropologist who had been killed first, and that when they discovered the body, that hit something had blew its way out of it. So, it, basically, the discovery of that kind of made the biologist think, you know, what really went on with these other expeditions. It was all mysterious. There's a lot of mystery in that, and you know, them trying to figure out, okay, we go to the tower, we go to a tunnel, and they biologists refer to it as a tunnel, yet they won't refer to it as a tower. And the tower was basically the objective for the biologists. Find the tower, find out what really went on. And when she discovers what went on, basically it was something that the other people discovered um, destroyed them. You know, they, they disappeared or they were um, doppelgangers. They encountered doppelgangers of themselves or it's probably what the husband had discovered. He discovered a doppelganger of what he perceived as himself. So it's like um, a shapeshifter. So he encountered the crawler and I guess it shapeshifted into him and I guess it freaked him out. 
And that's probably why he came back as some kind of an empty shell to his wife, to the biologist. And she didn't re- he didn't recognize her. He had no mind, he had no memory. It was like all erased. Okay, so let's uh, transition into some of the more important scenes or episodes um, in Annihilation. I know we touched on a couple in the past, so um, yeah. Anyone like to bring up any uh, specific points? Um, yeah, uh, it might sound a little bit cliche, but one of the scenes that I found uh, that, that caught my attention was when the biologist inhales the, the spores of the, of the writing, because that is where I think one of the most important themes of the book, uh, which is the, the power of communication and uh, the power of communication of, of the words acquire a, a new level of importance. Um, because, uh, because the way the biologist is, the one who is not hypnotized by the psychologist, but somehow she is hypnotized by these words, um, and somehow she is the one who hypnotizes also us as readers because on the way she narrates uh, her point of view, she goes back some, uh, forward and sometimes she decides not to give some details about her <coughs> husband. She kind of um, hypnotizes the, the reader too. Um, so I think there's a very important relationship between hypnotization and uh, communication. Um, um, so, um, what I think is important is that Vandermeer here wants to give to the word not just a literal uh, importance, but also an action importance. Uh, he kind of gives a, a new sense to, to, to the importance of the word and, um, uh, and also in the, in the and the action of inhaling all of this of this words uh, in itself, it's it's um, the action itself gives importance to the meaning of what she's inhaling, and uh, I would like to link this point to the fact that uh, uh, to another point of our analysis, which is what aspects of life in the Trump era has this book helped us understand, and I think. It, this point is uh, help us understand how communication is strictly linked to action in the sense that it's a process in which there has to be a balance between the addresser and the addressee. Um, it was very interesting and I, fo- I thought it was very fascinating to, uh, to hear all of the point of views that we had previously in class about the the, the writing on the wall and how every one of us gave a different perception and a different idea of that meaning without actually giving a universal meaning of it and how we came actually <coughs> to the idea that probably the addresser doesn't even know how himself to communicate and I think that's very interesting in the sense that there has to be a balance between the addresser and the addressee. When I talk about action, it's the action that uh, goes between the two in order to encode the message that is in the, in the middle. And it's very important to understand how in all of this subjectivity and objectivity plays an important role and how much 
is too much. How how far we can go into the 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 um, uh, explanation of the message? How how far should we should we how um, close do we have to go towards the address addresser and how um, and where do we have to stop with our point with our explanation of the of the message? Mm -hmm. Any threads, Francisco? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I guess one moment that I found to be very uh, interesting or, or important and definitely held a lot of significance to the one of the main themes of the book is I think the death of the psychologist, which kind of starts on page 124. Um, and that was just a very interesting moment to me because, especially like in classic literature, this is a big theme, but I think it's an even larger theme like in just media and entertainment in general is this idea of like the final moments of the dying, right? And usually the final of the moments of the dying, it yields, you know, either like a premonition or foreshadowing or a very interesting, like, you know, emotional resolution between two characters or, you know, the person's about to die. They say some important information, something interesting, something cool. But when the psychologist was dying and she spent her last moments with the biologist, I mean, they exchanged some info, but there's just still such a thick layer of distrust that they were just kept giving each other ambiguous answers and like ambiguous questions and in a moment that is supposed to be kind of intimate and sad and like you know in a way beautiful but really it kind of just turned into the two characters still not backing down from their distrust from one another and I think it just points <coughs> to the ambiguity of ambiguity of area x as a whole kind of um, and I think that you know relationship between the psychologist and the biologist kind of sets a tone for you know, the relationship of everyone in Area X, but also just kind of the, the ambiguousness of, of Area X. And there are no clear answers. There's never going to be that final moment where it's super satisfying and the person who's about to die says something cool or crazy. Area X, you don't know what's in there. You may never get out. Even the, the ending of the book is, is still somewhat ambiguous. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's one of the parts that I chose that I sort of didn't like about the book because sort of like the last episode of Game of Thrones, I was hoping that they would give us some more information and I was hoping that, that the psychologist would at least just give something. Mm -hmm. But I guess it does add to the mystery and it um, adds to the other stories. I think there's like two more books after this, so mm -hmm. they have to leave something. Yeah, and I was yeah. Wikipediaing like <laughs> the next two books and I was like, oh, this uh, psychologist, she's gonna do stuff in book three. But I won't spoil that. That's another <laughs> podcast. Um, one of the threads I wanted to talk about is the colonization thread. And I think there was been like a lot, um, um, three moments of it occurring in the book, but I just remember just like highlighting it over and over because it just, like the ghost, like those quotes, like actually, like haunt, I felt like it haunted me. On um, page six, she says, the beauty of it, of it cannot be understood either. And when you see beauty and desolation, it changes something inside you. Desolation tries to colonize you. It has a very ghosty like thread to it. Um, on 108, she, again, she then says, when I saw those hundreds of journals, I felt for a moment that I had become that old biologist after all. That's how the madness of the world tries to colonize you, from the outside in, forcing you to live in its reality. And then the final thought of the lighthouse keeper colonizing my thoughts. The thread of colonization and assimilation, like it ebbs in and out of individual consciousness, especially in the case of the biologist. I keep coming back to the biologist, but there are just so many moments when the biologist finds herself thinking about colonization, integration, eventually assimilation, and this the biologist like throughout the story undergoes her own sense of transformation. 
like on an individual level, the biologist by nature is supposed to be this objective lens, but due to the ghost of her past, she's unable to find closure. So her inability to find that closure is further reinforced by her justification that she didn't need him, that she didn't need her husband, and that she's me and complete and whole without him. But by telling herself this time and time again, her subconscious almost wills her to volunteer for that expedition. Though we don't find that out until the middle of the book. In some ways, innate part of her wanted to know. So, like again, like on page 189, she says, In the end, I had gone to Area X to find him. It's then when she begins to acknowledge these words and she, that she truly become objective and truly transforms. And I think the desolation and the madness of the ghost within her subconscious forces her to contend with her realities, and the progression occurs both subtly and gracefully throughout the backdrop of, backdrop of Area X. Any other moments for you guys? Um, I loved, well, I thought the most important moment was, or at least to me, when she stumbled upon all of the journals and just that little hideaway because she really saw the extent to how much, like, the government or the, um, oh my god, I forgot their name. No, Southern Reach. Was lying to her and just <laughs> lying to, like, everyone in general. And I liked how she was able to come across all that information but still keep a level head and it showed um i think this was there was a part also it was page 93 and it was i believe it was a little bit after that um happened where she was in the tower or i mean the lighthouse but she had said there's a limit to thinking about even a small piece of something monumental you still see the shadow of the hole rearing up behind you and you become lost in your thoughts in part from the panic of realizing the size of that imagined leviathan i had to leave it there compartmentalized until i could write it all down and seeing it on the page begin to divine the true meaning and i like that because it again connects to everything that you need to assimilate you need to accept and sit down and think about it you can't just be afraid or scared or get upset because then that will lead to your annihilation i thought the encounter with the crawler was the most interesting point in this book because she kept trying to figure out what it was we didn't had a vague description there which is a crawler but when I was reading towards the end where she went back to the town and discovered that the anthropologist's body had somehow morphed, that there were organisms growing out of it, and it was trying to find this way to take over the body itself. And then when she realized, wow, you know, this crawler is something, and then she sees the lighthouse keeper's face, and he asks her questions, what are you? The same way that she encountered the surveyor when she wanted to know who she was because she was coming back alone and tried to kill her. And then... She tried to, you know, when she's carrying her in her arms, you know, the, on page 140, she's, after she kills her and then puts her in the water and figures, oh, she'll just become a fossil in this water. I thought that was very interesting, the fact that she had discovered a grave had been built in the back, and that, that was her spot, and basically she just kind of overpowered the surveyor's motive to, to kill a biologist, because that's what she was <coughs> trained in. And... For me, the ending kind of left a lot of questions, you know, like, what was the crawler's motive to being in Area X? It's kind of like that scene in Alien when they were on the planet and they all discovered a chamber full of eggs and the guy leans in and he gets flashed by, by, by a facehugger. They didn't know what it was until they took it off and it was too late. Mm -hmm. So basically the crawler 
for me, it reminded me of that. You know, whatever got to the anthropologist burst right through her ribcage and just grew. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, to link uh, what you just said, I completely agree, and I think that another one of the um, scenes that I really appreciated was the final decision of staying in Area X and the realization um, that she could be content just knowing what she knows. And, and this part gave me the confirmation that uh, about the message of the book, which is the answer might not be finding the answer, uh, but knowing that the search of the answer is the answer. I thought that was a really poignant moment too, and I was gonna get into that on our next question, but it just like for me like, you know, Area X on this is is this this eerie like weird place, and yet like the fact that she can find like the sense of hope or the sense of beauty in the desolation was just very like I don't know put me at ease. Like I don't know what's gonna happen to her. She's probably gonna get fucked, <laughs> messed up, <laughs> killed at the end. But like the fact that she has this hopeful tone at the very end just really like I don't know made me feel good. I was like, oh, I see you, Natalie Portman. I can't I can't like separate the two in my head anymore. Um, but another like uh, moment that I really liked was that quote that uh, Professor Hanley posted up on uh, on that website. Um, and I'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's pretty long. But I'm gonna like pick out words from it. Um, when it started with, and what had manifested, what did I believe manifested? Think of it as a thorn, perhaps a long, thick thorn so large. And then it, it goes into moments of assimilator and assimilated, power is the engine of transformation. And then it ends with, on 192 with, I can no longer say with conviction that this is a bad thing, not one looking at the pristine nature of Area X and the world beyond which we have altered so much. And I thought that was so crazy because in the beginning, like she, there are moments when she's just like, oh wow, like Area X is so cool, like look at all these things. But then she's like, oh, but our world is pretty shitty. Like look at all the air pollution and crap. And then she again, she like mentions it again at the end of the book. And really there's this fracture in, in our world. For as long as humans have existed on this earth, we've acted as if nature is a still entity, which we've pretty much enacted our domination to it. And I guess this also correlates to like now in the Trump era, our society. People understand that our natural world is indeed a living, breathing organism, and yet because it doesn't exhibit humanistic qualities, we dismiss those notions in favor of human interests. And we've become so accustomed into believing that the natural landscape of our world is something we could mold, um, we can abuse, we can recreate, and this can be really seen in the destruction of rainforests, oil drilling and natural sanctuaries, city expansions, building construction, and the justification is always progression, 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 but at what cost? The justification of progression has left us with so much environmental damage. There are literally unhealthy levels of air quality, decrease of resources and mercury in our waters, um, and the reality of this progression does not outweigh the damages. The ecology of Area X, I feel like, is a physical metaphor of our world in terms of resistance and reclamation against the damages of humankind. And the manifestation of Area X and all its unexplainable and complicated ecological oddities culminated with the abuse of our existing landscape. And people are always going to fight what they can't explain, but Area X is an unexplainable world too large to understand, yet with its pristine nature is justified in its presence. So... Yeah. No, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I definitely feel that angle. I think uh, one thing that's interesting that they bring up a lot in the book, right, is that in a way the Southern Reach really isn't doing anything about Area X. They're kind of just watching it happen and doing very little, futile, like, 
these few kind of futile attempts that don't really bring any like positive change to the to the problem that is Area X. And I thought that was pretty re like representative of the way that we deal with global warming and different stuff like that. Is in a way we're just like the Southern Reach. Like we know there's all this pollution. We know that you know global warming is happening. We know that we're hurting you know wildlife habitats and everything. And in a way we're kind of just watching and not really doing anything and, and waiting, just hoping that it's not like that anymore. That's not really, like, how it goes. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of fucked up because, like, honestly, like, we are literally just watching. And not just watching, we're continuing to contribute to it. But we're going to get towards that towards the end. Um, let's go with some likes and dislikes. What do you like? What do you dislike? What are you in the middle of? Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, I, I, did, I did like that way that Bender puts a narration by, from the biologist's point of view because it's in first person, you know, basically the biologist tells the fact that her life wasn't actually perfect because basically her parents were completely two different people. Um, her marriage, married life was not the way she thought it would be. But when she discovers the fact that she likes tidal pools and watching her swimming pool turn into one smorgasbord of an ecosystem, she enjoys it. You know, she'd rather be alone with it. She doesn't want to be in a bar full of people. She better be, you know, drunk and going to a tidal wave, you know, tidal pool and discovering organisms. That's something I liked. What I didn't like was the fact that the ending left to the purpose of her trying to find the husband still. And I have a feeling that the guy's probably just gone. Turned to dust. You I know? think he's the owl. We'll go into that later. Not this well, I mean, I mean, you know, it, it's. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he mentioned birds, right? The ghost bird. I mean, it's like it's like a name for her. So maybe he's a bird. Maybe he could be a sparrow or a crow or something. Or, or the fact maybe he's just part of that light that, that the psychologist saw. You know, she said, you're the light. And she's like, and Baja had like, no idea what that meant. So she figured that's what she saw, you know, that that was her coming forward. So if she's the light, then maybe the husband could be the other light. Who knows? I mean, his last entry was the fact that he was going to find a boat and go to some island. Who knows where that could be? But it's like his reality, the fact that if he goes over back to the border, yeah, he's going to see a lot of pollution and wars and and you know rainforest being chopped down and, and animals disappearing he probably wouldn't want to stay in that reality he probably want to be rather be in area x where he see nature grow and out of control you know and, and he rather live there but then that didn't work out for the other expeditions you know they all disappeared mysteriously um for me personally i tend to lose interest when it comes to um mysteries last science fiction books but um one thing that i really liked about this book is the way vandermeer kept the mystery going t towards all the book since the very beginning um and it follows a really regular path without developing one particular climax um and when I say the very beginning uh, of the book, I mean the, the first sentence when he says the tower, which was not supposed to be there. So it's uh, without even knowing who are the characters, without having any other kind of information, we know that there's something uh, that is not supposed to be there. And what is a tower? Is it a tower? Is it a tunnel? We don't know. So it's a double mystery uh, in it, or the first sentence. Um, I really liked how Vandermeer used also the biologist to explain his point of view, but at the same time I think the biologist's point of view uh, sometimes was a little bit too 
uh, I would say detailed and sometimes I would lose um, attention because of the uh, almost clinical descriptions of what she said what she sees um, uh, but yeah I think uh, I think uh, one of the things that I really didn't like was not having a clear answer probably because of my rational reasoning or I uh, yeah, I had to to elaborate my own answer at the, at the end of the book, and uh, so I kind of like it, and at the same time dislike it. Uh, yeah, but I think it's very brilliant how the the author started the the, the book. Okay. Um, so we're running a little short on time, so we're gonna speed this up a little bit. <laughs> Um, okay, any, any, any major dislikes or dislikes from us? Uh, I guess, like, one of the things I got hung up on, like, really quick is Liz, her husband. Like, I overall really like the book. Um, I couldn't really complain too much about it, but I was just really hung up on the fact that it's, like, her husband comes back as a clone or a doppelganger and then goes back, like, and then she, like, it get, gets a mentions that, like, she's gonna go find him a remnant of him and around him and she doesn't care whether he's like alive or like she just wants to feel his presence but I was just really confused like where what is his fate and I don't think that answer is ever gonna get like answered but yeah I just got really hung up on that um can I say one quick decision? yeah go for it just really quickly I didn't like uh I think it could have been more immersive as a book I think one thing that the movie does better than the book in this circumstance is definitely feels a lot more immersive in the movie of creating, of building this world of Area X where, I don't know, there were just times where it didn't always seem like she was in <coughs> Area X, it kind of just seemed she was in her own zone and there'd be mentions of like, oh, well, this looks kind of weird. I thought she could, they could have done a, a better job, Vandermeer could have done a better job of bringing the world of life to a little bit, a little bit more. Okay. Awesome. Um, okay, so let's bring it back to the Trump era. Um, what do you guys think? Like, how does this all connect? Science can be created, but it can't be controlled by human minds. I mean, you could create science and discover something new, but you can't control it. You know, it can, it's just like what they discovered in Area so all this nature just started growing. But can they control it? No, it's just it's just part of life. You know, that, that reality is going to be either real to the biologist, and she saw it as real because she was obsessed with it. Everybody else thought, oh, it's just a bunch of trees, or a, a boar, or a dolphin, or the mysterious moaning creature in the lagoon or whatever you know and and climate change and and weather factors that stuff's real i mean it's not a hoax like the media says it is or but what he says it is so i kind of believe in climate change no i agree yeah. like earlier um when we were talking about purposes where i was i i delved a lot into control and this idea of regression versus progression and we progress by enacting control. In a lot of ways, the need for control ties us back to society, this area, right now. Rather than cooperating with the environment or the systems in place, we have a president that actively acts against nature, against basic human rights. And that's a lot to say. Like, I don't know if there's any Trump supporters out here, but like, I, he just chooses to lie, honestly. And he's by choosing essentially to lie, he's essentially polluting the image of America or the free world even. And even though it seems like he's succeeding, there are times that it does, and his violent base does feel empowered. He has emboldened the opposition, but others are fighting back. And these others can be manifested into Area X. 
Um, and this ties to how previous expeditions have failed. They treated their job like they were conquering Area X, and the biologists and the psychologists seem, seemingly seem to, uh, to succeed, or at least survive, because of their willingness to embrace Area X. Um, and another world picture I thought about is that in another way of looking at it in terms of society is the changes of our own world. We need to see climate change, conservation, universal health care, and yet we live in a society where our leaders just reject those inevitable changes. And for me, I think it's both hopeful and wishful thinking, but maybe by listening to the needs of our environment, not just our like our natural environment, but our actual like social environment on both the natural and humanistic level, couldn't we achieve holistic balance? Um, what do you guys think? Yeah. Any more yeah. ties back to the Trump era? All right, we good. So thank you all. That wraps our discussion on Jeff Vandermeer's annihilation. Thank you again, Nicole, Jonathan, Francisco, Regina, Mall. If you like our discussion on annihilation, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Thumbs up for that A++. Like, subscribe, comment below. And don't forget to tell your friends to catch our uh, next podcast on in Kindness of Ghosts. Remember, life finds a way. Thank <laughs> you.